a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. I'm Steve Mathis. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Flyracing.com. Please check them out. Check out their mountain bike line, their snow stuff, their mountain bike line. they got a whole section of hard parts on there. And, hey, even some fly street stuff as well. Uh, we had Cameron in from the uh, Pulp, from Fly Racing on the Pulp MX Show. And uh, Fly Racing's got its fingers into everything, and we thank uh, those folks as well. Weston Pike's helmet, the one he wears right now to get fourth in the series points. That's the exact same Fly Racing F2 carbon helmet with MIPS that you can buy off the shelf and shelf and even in a uh, Weston Pike replica as well. So thanks to the folks at Fly Racing. Also, to Maxxis Tires. You know that Maxxis delivers the best tires for your bike, but did you know that Maxxis also offers high-quality tires for your car, light truck, trailer, ATV, mountain bike, and more? Maxxis Tires will ho- let you hook up, pull the whole shot, and beat your competition Jeremy McGrath is using Maxxis right now and developing a new MXST tire that is coming out soon. And, of course, Alpine Star. We know those guys. We love those guys. The Tech 10 boots, the, ben- the benchmark boot in motocross. The Tech 10 further advances the innovations and make it the most technical motocross boot ever. Alpine Star protects that and the A4 Chess Pro are a couple of things that Alpine Stars is super pumped to promote and talk about. So... Thanks to all those companies. Uh, with me on the line, uh, the owner of uh, Dubok Racing, DubokRacing.com, Dr. D himself, Doug Dubok. What's up, man? How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for coming on. We've been missing each other trying to do this, but uh, yeah, it all worked out. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I guess that time of year, we're all going a lot of different directions. So yeah, we finally uh, are in the same place at the same time. Yeah, no doubt. No, thanks for, for doing this. And for people who want to know, uh, search the archives, or search Dubox last name on uh, my Pulp app or on iTunes, and, and we did a deep dive, year by year, deep dive on Doug's uh, awesome career in the sport, uh, so this isn't going to be it. So go listen to the older one we did, and uh, Doug will get into San Jose and everything else and uh, developing racing and all that, so check that out. Um, Doug, how's business? How's, uh, how's Dr. D doing? Well, we're actually doing very well at the moment. You know, I think we all had those uh, teething pains. I guess that that's a way to put it, to figure out what to do with the economy after about, you know, nine, ten, mm-hmm. uh, you know, restructure, rethink, and, uh, you know, figure out how we're going to make a profit in the current environment. So I think we finally figured that out a year or so back. And uh, busy at the moment, you know, we're doing our, our own stuff. We've got some private label stuff that we build you know here and there yep. um and so yeah well busy busy good good to hear uh, yeah. it's good you know it's it's uh you know something i've loved to do for quite a long time now and so it's just it's what gets me up early in the morning and keeps my brain stimulated yeah really right um and and again with some new models coming out you, you know you and your long history of r&d with yamaha and developing bikes and testing for uh, virtually a bunch of companies, um, you got to get on these things and figure them out, figure them out how to make them better, right? Yeah, you know, that's the thing. It's uh, trying to build a better mousetrap. You know, the OEMs are doing a great job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just, the the task is even more daunting than it once was. So it's, but, you know, that's what we love to do. And, you know, it gives me an excuse to get out of the office <laughs> and go to the track. Yeah. I'm one of the few guys that actually gets on the track and develops a product. I'm not just a, I don't live in my dino room. Yeah, no, absolutely, because a dino... I have one. I visit it occasionally, but, uh, yeah, I do most of my stuff out of the track. So wow. it worked out for my uh, 
peace of mind as well as uh, everything else. I've been on plenty of race teams where something looked good on the dyno, and then we took it to the track, and not so good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've been a, around in a, you know enough circles that I've realized that a long, long time ago. You know, it's kind of funny. When we first got data acquisition stuff at Yamaha, this was a long time ago, a couple mm-hmm. decades back, yeah. it really opened my eyes to, you know, a bench test versus, you know, a, a real test out in the real world. And uh, it's, you know, you, everybody thinks they're this or that or they can, you know, understand what a dyno's doing. And believe me, I, I use it and it, mm-hmm. it has some value. But oh, yeah. there's nothing that will get you right to the point quicker than, you know, ass on the seat, hand on the mm-hmm. throttle, as Ed Scheidler used to say. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's uh, it's certainly the, it's the method I've chosen and had a lot of success with for uh, quite a long time now. We put the data on Villeman one time when I was on the race team, and and we asked him, you know, what do you think? How, how much do you think you're wide open out there? This is two-stroke days. And uh, he's like, ah, I don't know, like whatever, 30% of the time or something. We're like seven seconds. You were at full throttle seven seconds uh, on a supercar track. It was, you know, just one of those things. The rider thought he was wide open. He really wasn't, you know. So, well, I remember uh, our first time. We were at LA County Raceway. Mm-hmm. There's three or four of us that day, all pros or ex pros or however you want to label us. But you know, it, it was it, the, it went round the table. What do you think? What do you think? Everybody had these very, you know, <laughs> high boastful. <laughs> you know, guesses, and I was probably the only one that had a little bit more of an understanding before I threw my guess out there, but yeah, it was a complete awakening for everybody, you know, where on a big, wide-open track like that, everyone, oh, yeah, you know, and it was literally like less than 10% of the lap you were were ever wide open. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, that acquisition really uh, opens some eyes and uh, kind of explains what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah, can you believe how much these race teams are doing it now and where they're programming the bike for a certain part of the, of the track to to deliver a rich or a lean mixture and what, what corner they need the throttle to be a bit retarded on or advanced or whatever? It's crazy, mm-hmm. man. It's nuts. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. Back in the beginning when DRD first opened and I was, you know, kind of testing the waters, so to speak, as to how am I going to go about developing this? And, I had a good friend, Mike Hooker, who worked at Toyota. You know, he worked for a lot of motorcycle yeah. yep. industries. You know, Honda probably yep. was his last uh, motorcycle gig, you know, helping Steve Lamson win a couple championships. But uh, it, once I, you know, started to understand how well you could do this sort of thing, you know, yeah. adapt what's going on at the moment and what's went on in practice, how to adjust all that stuff. You know, they do it on the fly. They can adjust yeah. everything yep. as it's all happening. I thought, man, the motorcycle industry is like in the dinosaur years. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, he helped me so much through all my early years, you know, just plotting out, doing spreadsheets for me and getting all the length and volume and getting me to understand all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that's what, you know, I was always picking his brain. How can we do this? How can we do that? And he goes, well, "You don't have enough money to uh, to do it the way we do it." You know, with yeah. they they got looks like the six million dollar man. They got so many probes and sensors. I and, know. And, and, <clears throat> and we were just changing a main jet, Doug. Oh yeah, let's put it. Let's yeah. change a main yeah, jet. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> oh, I had a tooth to the sprocket. I'm really cutting, yeah. cutting some fat information here. So. <laughs> right, right. Um. Uh, the dual systems on the Hondas, the, the CRF250 has one, uh, the 450 has one. What What's your experience with that? What are you doing for that? Are you selling both? Do you like one or the other? What's the uh, What's your thoughts on that? You know, that <laughs> – I, I don't want to say too much and get too many people angry at me, but, <laughs> you know, it's – the bottom line is, you know, I appreciate what they're kind of doing, mm-hmm. and now that they truly split it, that's in the right direction. Yep. Because back when the original Honda came out mm-hmm. with, uh, I think it was 06 with the dual pipes. Yep. We, you know, kind of um, with the assistance of Mike Hooker, we just were splitting it then. We built a manifold that uh, oh, had wow. a bifurcating blade in it yep. that would go up and caress the, you know, how the ports are divided and then they come together. So we were truly dividing it and we had a dual exhaust completely one down the left side one down the right side only about oh i don't know 12 years before honda did it yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> but the problem that we had was 
we couldn't sell it to the average guy because there wasn't enough room there. The studs were too close together. Okay. And we had some limitations where we had tremendous performance, but we couldn't quite get the peak power because we were just restricted there. Yep. So we would have had to take and move the studs out. And we did one and kind of made a special thing, but we never really did anything with it. And so it was just one of those things where you couldn't sell it to the masses. Yeah. And we weren't yeah. on the race team at the time, so we just kind of – it's funny. Probably a few months back, I found the box with all that stuff in it, all the stuff all puttied up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some funny things. But so <clears throat> to kind of uh, make it simple and easy to explain uh, – Every system that's on a stock bike, what people don't understand is that system was in place for a very long time. Because you got to start checking the boxes. You know, you get chassis done. You get the big, big things done. Then you start, you know, working your way down to where you're finally, you know, deciding which mains yet Mm -hmm. back in the old days. (laughs) Now it's uh, a little different. But so that's one thing that people understand. That engine, you know, Cam timing, you know, intake exhaust overlap, uh, ignition timing, mm-hmm. exhaust port shape, everything gets designed around that stock pipe. So it's really <clears throat> when you take and you you take a dual off and put a single on, you really got a lot of work to do to try and mimic what they've done in respect of length and volume. So you know, we've had some very good success putting a single on Hondas, both 250 and 450. But what we run into is the masses mm-hmm. who loves that dual pipe, you yeah. know, and I I believe that's why Honda sold it. You know, I've heard yeah, yeah. things, you know, bouncing around the showroom floors that when they took it away, all the dealers were angry. Oh, okay. We were the only yeah. one on the showroom floor, you know, and so yeah, yeah. And, and without getting too <laughs> off track here. Right, right. But so there is, you know, a fair amount to – Get that thing until you start, you know, writing ignition and fuel programs to match it. It's really difficult to throw a single on in place of what a designed dual has already yeah, done. You know, yeah. uh, been been on that bike for so long that everything's shaped around it. Because, yeah. you know, effectively what they're trying to do is have a different reflective pulse at a different time of event, meaning, you know, in the... Um, where the piston and the cams and everything yeah. are, so they they play with all that stuff and they get it just right. So it's it's not uh, mm-hmm. easy to take and eliminate that and put a single. And again, we've had great success. Other you know exhaust manufacturers have had good success. Yep. But you know it's it, you kind of need to stick with that dual, especially when the customer expects that. So we sell more singles than we do duels just because we're a company that makes a single. You know, a lot of the other guys don't even bother with a single. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really it's a hit and miss for guys who want to do it, right? I mean, not everybody wants to develop it and t- t- put, put the time into it. Well, you know, you look at like a Yosh, you know, they're so tied in yep. with the OEM. It's almost like this uh, little handshake deal. Yeah, you know, this is how it was intended. Sure. We'll support your intention, yep. you know, even if we, maybe we could get a, you know, a better performance. Because if you remember back in the 06 days, every guy wanted a single on yeah. those original 250F Honda. Oh, yeah, I mean, for sure. We did a bike for Sorby. I don't know if you remember that. It was a real short deal. He had nothing. You know, mm-hmm. we bought him a Honda, and he went out. He got like 10th at the first race. Somebody got hurt, ended up on motorsport or somewhere else. You yeah, know, we yeah. had him yep. one race. And but we we had a single and that bike ran great with that. And then if you remember right when the, everyone knew all the it, it must be getting rid of the duel because all the race team guys had a single that year. I think it was oh eight or oh nine because the next year came with a single yeah. on the two fifty yeah. So yeah. they were all like, Oh great, finally, because <laughs> you know, back then it just the performance wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, on the newer 250F Hondas, that dual is, well, especially with the 18. Yeah. But even the, the 16, 17, we were having a hard time getting the same performance. You know, we get some mid and top, but, you yeah. know, they definitely had that volume down low mm-hmm. that made it think like it was a short, big pipe, and which always makes it a very responsive low end. Right. The uh, the eighteen Honda two fifty F needs bottom right. That's what I've been reading. That's what I've been talking yeah, to people about yeah, it. Yeah. 
needs just torque, or yep. at least the feeling of mm-hmm. some response down there. I think, you know, peak power, it does okay, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we. I've ridden them a couple times. I just haven't really had one yet, so I haven't even done. Yep. And I'm only going to do a duel for that. Yeah, you know, obviously. Yeah, we're not gonna yeah. Go two back into one. People. <laughs> no. Will just laugh at you. <laughs> no, no one about uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll uh, put out some Instagram posts of my original 06 irritating <laughs> blade and that whole system. I'll see if <laughs> yeah. I can lay it all out. Yeah. Um. Say, hey, a big story in the sport for me. You know, going to all the races. Justin Barsha right now, absolutely killing it. Three podiums in four races. He's on, he's on a Yamaha, which he didn't really like at JGR, but the 18 is pretty significantly different. And I know you you always have a hand in, in helping out the, the Yamaha guys here and there with, with production stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Kiefer, one of the couple of, couple of Yamaha guys have told me that Kiefer and the other magazines, they're a little, this is before Barsha's success, they said that they didn't, Kiefer and other magazines, and I'm throwing Kiefer under the bus, but I did this already publicly. Um, they didn't they didn't talk about it enough about how much better it was because all of their testing and all of their development shows that the changes made to the frame are way better. Uh, Barsha says the bike turns like no other. He said he could never used to be able to turn it. The power it had too much power to turn, and now it now it's okay. So, what's your take on Barsha and his success and the development of the 18 and how much better it is? Well, you know, there's kind of a lot of answers yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. laid out there. But, I mean, I'm very happy. You know, I think it was a great opportunity for Justin. You know, he's had this rocky past, you know. Mm-hmm. We could go on and on about that. But I think it was a great opportunity for him to land where he landed and take advantage. And the bike is very, very good. I, I think you did hit on something that people – have I call it kind of the, the the James Stewart you know black eye of this reverse engine you yeah, know it's yep. it's kind of I can tell you some funny stories being at magazine shootouts and stuff but I, I won't bore you with it but uh, people were literally afraid to ride the bike they thought it was just going to throw them off you know well that engine's like right. turning backwards right I'm going to hit a jump and the bike's going to endo or you know yeah, I mean, yeah. people have the most craziest concepts about and it's like dude. There's nothing different about that engine other than the intake is, you know, coming down yep. from the top yep. and the exhaust happens to go out a different side. You know, you look at every car, every engine configuration worldwide in any kind of a machine, it goes every which way till Sunday, mm-hmm. but they all spin the same direction. You know, people somehow thought it was backwards, <laughs> backwards. It was just, it was, it blew my mind, that, yeah, yeah. you know, how the media can steer you. And then as soon as, you know, you get a top athlete having his uh, unwinding of his career and, you know, when those stars all align, man, it's that's a tough hole to dig yourself out of. Mm-hmm. So I, I still think there's a little of that taste like, well, it's just this. Okay. It's just a Yamaha. It's still that cut. It's still – and they don't go, you know what, let me just – spray paint the thing camo and ride it. Cause then I really think it would get a lot better shake than it has. Yeah. You know, cause I know Kiefer very well. I mean, yeah. everybody's, from, yeah, yeah. you know, sure. back when I watched him ride around and nothing but a leather G string and boots at sunrise. <laughs> I mean, that was the first day I'd ever met him. You know, Jerry Bernardo introduced us. Oh boy. And, you know, oh boy. My buddy ever since. Yeah. So, but even listening to him talk, I just go, you know, I wish, I wish somehow I could, you know, do the uh, men in black and hit him in the forehead, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lead everything he ever knew, and yeah. start with a fresh, clean slate. Because yeah. for me, that bike is a whole lot better. It's not tremendously different, uh-huh. but the changes we made, I mean, you know, if I could dive backwards into riding that thing almost four years ago, mm-hmm. you know, with all that went on to get it to where it is right now, it's... That's a very different bike, but people look at it conceptually and they go, oh, it's the same bike. Mm-hmm. But I think you can see just, you know, Barsha, here's, that's a good example of a guy that rode it before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got a few little bones to pick with the JGR guys because I think they were a little too rogue. You know, they weren't involved enough mm-hmm. with the guys, you know, with 8,000 years of experience combined amongst them standing in one room. And I think they wanted to 
be a little too much on their own. And, sure. you know, I think Barsha paid the price there. But, you know, that aside, I think being under Yamaha's control has advantages because they're connected to the engineers. And so they're, everybody's on the same page. They're not, you know, no. 3,000 miles away on in reading this whole different book. Mm-hmm. So I think that has advantages. Plus, that chassis is very, very good. That engine character is very, very good. And the suspension components are very, very good. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you, you, you get a bunch of stuff like that and you 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 have a package that is very good, it will, you know, kind of rise above, especially when you get a guy that's been on both sides of it. Yeah. You can see that because when you like something, you know, you, you know you've been around long enough that yeah. your spirit is yeah. 90% of your racing. Yep. And if you're enjoying it and you're having that feeling of confidence, mm-hmm. then you're going to have success. And, and that's something that... Uh, I haven't really picked a keeper yet because I, I don't like to judge who they use, but I find that the faster guys mm-hmm. tend to enjoy that bike more because mm-hmm. they, they build a level of confidence with that bike mm-hmm. because it is very predictable, opposite of what it's kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, rep, history yeah. or its, yeah. its image is. But it's probably one of the most predictable and most stable bikes out there. And I think everybody agrees it's got one of the best engines, controllable with, you know, heaps of power. And, you know, so it's all these things that, you know, I've complained over years to Yamaha. We've got to fix this. We've got to fix that. We've got to fix this. And I think they've done a very good job. When you look at the photos of 17 frame and an 18 frame, you can see there's a lot of differences. There's a lot mm-hmm. of changes. Uh, and this is, yeah. I think... The 18 is what, the third redesign of that model, 2010, right? It came yeah, out, I think yeah. Third... Basically, you had the original 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 14 to 17, but partway through that, we changed some rigidity. Yep. And you know, the spars were down around the foot pegs. And so there was some, you know, we call it in our little world, rigidity balance. Because uh-huh. that is really what you're trying to do, yep. you know. Because you, people ride something, they go, that thing's way too rigid. And you're like, dude, that's 30% softer or more flex than the yeah, other yeah. one. <laughs> right, right. So, so it's a balance of that. So, Because this frame, which people say it's so plush, it's so comfy, it's so everything, is another, I, I can't hit the percentage right on the nail, but it's a fair amount stiffer than our previous frame. Oh, okay. So it's yeah, got yeah. That, that rigidity balance is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so... It shows with people not complaining that it's too stiff, but it is. So that's where you get that balance to feel correct on the track, and then you don't notice it. You know, it's a little yeah. bit like people, oh, you know, wait. Everyone, wait, wait. But, you know, the Honda is like the heaviest bike out there, yet nobody ever complains about it. Yeah, or Suzuki but, was forever, and people loved it. People said it felt yeah. great on the track. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. that's, you know, a little thing with the Yamaha. They look at the dry weight, and they're like, you know, because it lost a tick, but, you know, it gained mm-hmm. a starter and all of those. Yep. But, you know, to me, I think it feels 10 pounds lighter than the previous bike. Yeah. But, yeah, you yeah, know, the, the, that on the scale. But, you know, that, those are some of those things that right. I, 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 again, don't want to pick on the individuals, but I think people love to repeat what somebody else said. Yeah. Because they yeah. don't really want to think for themselves. Yeah, no, there's some of that. Neck too far out. For sure, so, there's, there's, I, there is some of that. Absolutely. So, you know, you, you see that where a guy, you know, I'll listen to him say a comment. I'm like, dude, where'd that come from? You know, <laughs> and then I think, oh, wait, that's what, you know, your guy you looked up to said two years ago. So you're just repeating it. Yeah. 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 And I'm probably guilty of that also when it comes to other stuff, you know, as well. Yeah. You, you really got to, you know, kind of have an open mind when it comes to everything. Isn't it, yeah. cra- isn't it crazy, Doug? You see Barsha and Weber running stock triple clamps. Um, Langston, when he won the title there years ago, had the uh, stock triple clamps and, and forks. And isn't it crazy, Doug, how, how much uh, head stays and, and thickness of frames and spars and clamps will change a bike's feel? If, if people kind of knew that, they, they might blow their, blow their minds a little bit. Well, you know, it's a funny story that comes to mind when you say that. Mm-hmm. Mike Larocco, whatever the factory Honda clamps were when he was on those Honda two-strokes, he said, oh, those are too rigid. And he would have the mechanics file all the edges off. Yeah. And I remember then that. Yep. 
that became a good triple clamp. But what that shows you, you know, a lot of people go, oh, he's just crazy. But no, <laughs> what that really shows you is there is a, a balance, a, a harmonic balance to every part on that bike. Mm-hmm. So you upset that which something that people worked so many years to get, you know, some pretty intelligent people yep. worked so many years to get it here. And then you go, well, let me just put, you know, insert name here, triple clamp on there. That'll yep. be better. Yep. Well, the, the problem is, okay, say you're trying to change an offset, you know, get some more trail, you know, whatever you're trying to accomplish. Uh-huh. But unless you did that with an OEM clamp, you're, you're introducing a whole nother problem into yep. the equation. Yep. You can't just now let me check that offset because now you're going, wait a minute. Now it feels like I got 35 pounds in my front tire because everything I hit, yeah, yeah. it's like a brick. So that's probably why. And, and actually the, the offset on that bike is uh, very, very good. You know, uh, mm-hmm. John Duffy at Applied Racing will probably shoot me once he hears me <laughs> say that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, I played around with uh, some different offsets and whatnot. But, again, the rigidity balance of that clamp, mm-hmm. how it's produced – was a piece of that puzzle through its whole development. Yeah. So it's not great to all of a sudden, let me throw something, whether it's more rigid or less rigid, let me throw something in there that's now way out of sync mm-hmm. with the harmonics of the whole rest of the bike. So that's probably what you're seeing by some of these guys actually being, and again, this is a little factory Yamaha versus JGR. Yeah. Um, not to pick on anyone, but, you know, they, oh, we make a clamp. So it's, it's got to be on there. <laughs> yeah, and that, unfortunately, I understand business and I know why it gets done, but that those little things can get overlooked so easily. And then all of a sudden, everyone's going, well, gosh, why doesn't yeah. this thing handle? You know, because yeah, yeah. to your point, Grant Langston, you remember how that all unfolded? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Factory race bike. I mean, you were probably fairly close to that whole thing. And he went out to shoot photos on the new bike. He's like, this thing's great. Yeah. Or like, uh, Grant, that's not a whole lot different. You know, yeah. remember we changed a little bit of rigidity in the frame then. Uh-huh. That was the change from the 07 to the 08. We just, I mean, it was just a little tick. Yep. But what he was feeling was a lot of OEM parts were on that that had been changed, you know, bigger diameter fork or mm-hmm. a real rigid clamp or all this stuff. And if you remember correctly, he went out and won, I think, Almost every moto yeah, when was, he got on that bike. Yeah, it was a lot for sure. Well, you know, I mean, when Kenny Roxon was having trouble at RCH, they took a bone stock RMZ and they started from there. I talked to Bob Oliver about Barsha and Webb and the stock clamps, and Bob Bobo said, "Yep, we went more stock than we've ever done before." The guys who designed the bikes and Doug, you're one of them. You know, at some part of this puzzle over the years, they know what they're doing. They really do. So I don't know. Some people should realize <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. It, and it's funny because, you know, we've all had those conversations that, you know, you're like, gosh, why don't, why do these guys take this? And even the consumer, you know, he, he I, I see guys and I just, you know, and I'm not the greatest salesman because I'll see guys that they, they put everything on their bike before they ever even ride it. And yeah. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I'd love to sell you a pipe, but why, why, you know, yeah. experience it how it was. And then maybe you'll appreciate my pipe or not, you know, whatever, but. You know, don't put triple clamps and go get, you know, the Super A kit this and, you know, put some other ignition and, you know, do yep. nine things to it. And then yep. you go, this thing sucks. And you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> you should have wrote it stock. You might have enjoyed it. But um, How many times over the years, Doug, have you read a magazine test and just had to bite your tongue? And then soon enough, it's there's blood everywhere. Uh, was it a really frustrating process for you over the years? To, I mean, these are your friends. Uh, yeah, these I mean, are your buddies, you know? These are friends of yours. It's funny because so many times I just, yeah, I just have to put it down and go, you know what? I just, I am too meticulous. Yeah. And these guys are, this is more of the consumer, so I have to introduce that into my brain so I don't scream and, you know, go to the gun store and start shooting people because it is, it's frustrating when you're so engaged, you know, I mean, I ride everything. If it's not for Yamaha, it's for DRD, you know, I'm on every bike every year, you know, small ones, big ones, two strokes for, you know, I ride so much stuff that I've got a fairly good understanding. You know, if I wasn't good at it when I started 35 years as a test rider later, I've learned Mm -hmm. a few things. So when you, you read the stuff and you go, Oh my gosh, 
please, you know, and then you see the this the stark contrast, you know, this guy picked the red one. Well, this other guy, that one got last, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. Just, you see, you go, <laughs> well, A, they're either all pretty good and they're just picking on something for whatever reason, yep. or these guys just don't have a clue. Or, you know, they're wore out by noon, you know, they're expected yeah, yeah. to ride yeah. seven bikes, <laughs> and they're like, dude, I don't even do that many laps in a week. You yeah, actually yeah, do or, that in a day? Or a month, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, there's a lot of kind of holes in their processes, but, you know, some do it better than others, and, yep. you know, still the results are mixed all around. So yeah. I, I like to <laughs> look at the glass half full. They're all pretty good if if they're getting scattered around in, in real random orders. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I know. I think you're right. Uh, poor Suzuki. Suzuki seems to be the one that drew the short end of the stick for pretty much everybody, and I feel bad because that's a, you know what goes into a new model, you know. Um, and it's not easy. No, it's no, not easy at all. You know, I was just riding a Suzuki today, and you know, it certainly has a few shortcomings, mm-hmm. but it's still a pretty good motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. If you've right. You got a local Suzuki dealer. That's going to support you and have some parts in stock and, you know, the things that you need to go enjoy your dirt bike, mm-hmm. go buy it. You know, I yeah. mean, it's it's that simple because not too many guys are going to push a bike to its limit anyway. Yeah. So, you know, and it's funny. I had a guy come by and goes, wow, that's a great looking bike, you know. Yeah. Like it was mine. Like I owned it. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a customer's bike. But, you know, yeah. I, you know, and I was just. A little chitter chat with him, but right. you know, so every bike's got a quality, yeah. you know, yeah, no, it looks for sure. good or sounds good, or you know, it's got a fast guy racing it on the you know Saturday night. I yeah. mean, they they're all worth a look at. So I don't know. Thanks to Doctor D for the podcast. Thanks to FlyRacing.com, Maxis Tires, Alpine Stars as well, all on board with us. Take a listen to this commercial. Use the code PulpMX18 to save at Racetech, Racetech.com, and uh, yeah, we'll be right back with more Doug Dubuck. Race tech suspension and engines, people. Pulpamex 18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Race Tech specializing in high performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Race Tech, guys like the HEP Suzuki team, and many more in the pits use Race Tech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulpamex 18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. All right, thanks for checking that out. Now, carry on with more Dubok. Let's talk a little bit about you riding and racing a little bit. Um, How much do you go out now, Doug, at your age with how busy you are and everything going on? How much do you go out, and your kid, your son Carter is, is riding a lot from what I understand, but how much do you go out and just turn laps for fun now, like without having a purpose? Uh, not very often. Right. I try, I try and make the weekends like that if I can. Uh-huh. You know, I've, I've been sneaking up to Sunrise where okay. I run into our good friend, Yep. Uh, Mr. Kiefer, uh-huh. but I try and go up, and while well, I'm still, you know, dad with a stopwatch and, you know, getting the kid to do a <laughs> sprint laps, and, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, we're doing that, but the first thing in the morning, we all get dressed at the same time, and we just go out and ride. Yep. And it's just, sometimes I'll just jump in with him and ride with him, sometimes I'll do my own thing and be on my own, but, right. you know, those are quality times for me, because... You know, as Mike Healy once told me, I should be in the Guinness Book of World Record. I've logged more laps. Oh, God. Second and third combined. So, you know, I do love to get on my dirt bike and just go ride. So those are, you know, cleansing moments for the brain. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I am very, very busy with all things, you know, everything we've talked about between testing and my well, kid riding and racing, and, uh, you know, I got Japanese guy living with me that, you know, I take him and train him, and, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot, but 
I, I wouldn't change it for anything. Oh, you're the new Jim Hawley taking Japanese guys in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, I don't that's think awesome. I, I've got quite the, the VIP card to all the local strip clubs, you know, so I think he's still got one up on me. Yeah. But Jimson, go see Jimson for <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've uh, got to tell their intent if they go to Jim or come to me. <laughs> exactly, right. Um, no, that's true, though. Healy's right, man. Good God, do you have some laps underneath you? You must have been so stoked with Yamaha put electric start on. You're like, finally, I don't have to kick my bike. It's been 30 years of kicking my bike. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, uh, you've done the the Vet World, uh, the Vet MXDN a few times, and it's something I've always wanted to try to make it to. It looks epic. I love old bikes. I've restored some as well. Um, do you like it? How do you like it? What do you ride when you go over there? Well, you know, that is a bucket list event. You have to do it. I mean, if you got, if you want to find a way there, let me know. I will help you get there because, you know, ask Leroy or yeah. – you know, any handful of guys that have gone over there and they're addicted, you know, they go back again and again and again. I I went as a replacement rider for Stanton in, I want to say it was like 2012. Yeah. And I've gone every year since. Yeah. So, you know, I rode Hondas that first year because I just, I showed up with a gear bag. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was, it was such a cool event for me because – here I had a four-man team. I was never selected to be on the real donations right. ever. I was an alternate, you know, one time like a million years ago, whatever that means. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> so it's just the concept is so fun. You know, you got France and England and Spain and, you know, just so many yeah, different yeah. teams. Yeah. And here I'm sitting on the line, and I know these guys anyway, so – not like such a big deal, but you know, I got Jeff Ward, Ron Lachine, and Ryan Hughes as the, my three guys. So it's a four-man team. Yep. And I'm like, this is just so cool. Yeah. And we had such a great time. And you know, I went back, and I've had, I've been partnered up with so many cool different people. You know, last year we had Mike Brown and uh, John Dowd, myself, Todd DeHoop. You know, uh-huh. and it's just, and we're all kind of like personalities, so it's been very cool. You know, Guy Cooper's been over there, yeah. and it's just. It's, uh, you know, a, a lot of bench racing, really. And, yeah. then, you know, we go out there and go faster than we probably should <laughs> on the racetrack. But. Um, and you've been on, what, 89 CR500s a lot? Or what do you ride? What do you... Uh, well, so that first year I rode, a, a, yeah, an 89 CR500 in the Evo class. And then we did the twin shocks. So there's two mm-hmm. what they consider donation okay. uh, classes. And so I rode twin shock. I rode a 1980 CR250. Okay. In that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just had a great time. Then I went back the next year and rode the same two bikes. And then I went, you know, some photos showing up, and I'm, I'm kind of a Yamaha guy, in case you haven't noticed. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Kind of uh, I'm, I'm, I'm O'Neill Scott Dunlop on Yamaha my whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Sort of that guy. That, <laughs> that would describe me. So <clears throat> I got, and this is kind of a cool story. So Steve Butler yep. put a YZ490 engine into a 250 chassis for Mammoth one year, back when it wow. was that, okay. you know, that uh, top of the three classes, you're king of the mountain, yeah, and they yeah. paid you yep. five grand away. So <clears throat> we never had a good open bike, you know, no uh, disc brake and upside down fork. So Steve built this one-off bike, uh-huh. and I won on that bike. I didn't win the overall Mammoth thing. Okay. Uh, I think maybe Wardy or someone did that year. I don't know, but I was very, very close. But, um, so that was the only time that bike ever got raced and it won. And it is actually, I've got a video of that thing. I passed Johnny O'Mara in the last corner and beat him by a bike lane. So it had like a little bit of cool history. Yeah. So Steve got it out of the rafters. We put it together and I shipped it over there. Oh, no way. So, oh, wow. So I wrote that and I think, what did I ride in my second class? What year was 250? What are we talking like what year? So it was a it was an eighty nine two fifty. Oh okay, yep. So back then, yep. I think I rode it in ninety at Mammoth. Why didn't you tell the factory team to ditch that three sixty and put that thing in there back in the day? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a whole nother story. I mean, <laughs> Lampson and and Mickey Diamond. I I spent a little time with Mickey in uh, Italy for that yeah uh, Transgaro race. Yep, yep. A couple months ago, uh-huh. man, what a, what a character that guy is! I love that guy to death. Yeah. He is. 
is a one of a kind, but yes, we, we share some old three sixty stories. Oh boy, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. At dinner, but yeah, but that any, was, anyway, uh, so that thing that thing's great. It's awesome. It works great. Yeah. So find your way over there. Yeah. I've managed to get some Yamaha's. I actually rode a three sixty last year. Okay. And uh, so it, it kind of bounced around because unfortunately, it's kind of an open class race. Everyone rides a KX five hundred or CR five hundred, and so if you have anything but those two bikes, you're at a disadvantage. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of uh, right right now. I hope nobody's listening, but I, I'm flipping a coin over and over. It keeps landing on KX500, but I keep trying to get it to land on some sort of a Yamaha. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure what I'm riding this you, year. I've, I've got to kind of get off the fence and make a decision here uh, in the next week or so. you got to find the dude with the YZM500. There's a couple of them there, I understand. <laughs> well, I rode one in France about three years ago. Oh, you did? And oh. It was... Uh, underwhelmed because i think i'd oversold it oh really you're just cr- i was like you're crushing me right now really <laughs> well i had such high expectations because i was about one hair away from riding one back when they were everyone rode them okay i knew jackie yeah and i knew you know jackie's mechanic and everything and we were in france doing just an international race and i'm like nah you know i'll ride one eventually well then those things just dried up and went away yep and so when I had this opportunity, I went there. But what uh, this is my best guess was it was an incomplete bike, and this guy kind of added parts to it. Like oh, it looked, okay. yeah, it looked perfect, but the jetting was horrible. Yeah, yeah. The forks weren't any good. You know, it's just by the second day we got it better, and I actually won the last moto of the weekend on it, so I was kind of happy again. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, first thing out, see sputtering, coughing. You know, I'm about going over the bars down oh, boy. downhill. So I'm like. Oh, this isn't what I expected. There's like three of those in the world or something. Yeah, it might be actually a little few more because this guy said he owned two. Oh, really? He had a show oh. one and one that he actually let people ride. Okay, yeah. But, well, I mean, what an opportunity. That was a bucket list and a half. That's what I, I think I had something else planned that weekend, like something <laughs> fairly important. I said, nope, I'm sorry, I'm going to France. Yeah, I'm going to France to ride this YZM500. <laughs> and, and here, a little side note, uh, uh, my kid, who was then, what was that, three years ago, so uh-huh. he would have been 11, uh-huh. he rode it. I go, Carter, get on this bike and ride it up the paddock and back. No, Dad, no, no. I go, you'll thank me later Yep. because yep. You, you, you probably count on two hands the amount of guys that have thrown a leg over one of those. So, yeah, I got a video of him just going, bruh, bruh. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I would. Around, I want, bruh. It's, it's a bucket list for me to see one. In person, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's, it's an ultimate thing for sure. So, yeah, it seems like a good event. It seems like you guys have a lot of fun over there, and uh, people need to check it out for sure. The track looks technical. It's always muddy, and it's, it's it looks, you know, like tough to ride. But, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's fun. Well, it's it's like Carlsbad, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's that same kind of soil, but Carlsbad was never wet. And when mm-hmm. it was, you hated it. But we've only really had a couple of mud motos in the six years I've gone. Yeah. There's only been a handful of mud ones. It just happened to have been the last few, and so everyone kind of thinks it's a mud race. But we're hoping Uh, for good weather this year. I think we got a good team. Brownie's coming back. I'm going. Uh, We've got Dowd, and we're we're trying to get my good old friend Naven Bubbins. You probably know him as Damon Bradshaw. Oh, yeah. If you ever watched him sign his poster, it looked like Naven Bubbins. so call him that if you ever yeah, interview yeah. him. Just okay. you know, kind of rib him about that. Um, but you, you know, Damon. If you know Damon, you know Damon. You can't get him to commit to anything. You, you, uh, you are the only teammate he ever liked. That's it. He's, he's told me many times. <laughs> One teammate he ever liked was Doug Dubach. That was it. But I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. You know, it's funny. Somebody posed a question. I can't even remember. Somebody stuck a camera in my face and said. You're in a bar fight. Now, everybody you ever was teammate or raced against, who would have your back? And that's what I said. Yeah. I go, well, I think Damon would have my back because I, I took care of that little prick for <laughs> 10 years, it seemed like. Yeah, yeah. Um, outside of the YZ250 and 450s, which you had a or 400, that you had a huge hand in and were groundbreaking, what model of bike, is there one or two models that you're most proud of, uh, your, your role in developing them? I mean, I know because the four-stroke's easy to say. I, you're going to say the four-stroke, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really, I again, it's one of those things that you you pinch yourself later and go, "Man, I can't believe mm-hmm. you know, you're just so entrenched in it as you're doing it yep. that you know you reflect, you know, what's been now twenty years later since that first '98 came out. Yeah, and uh, you go, "Man, 
that was pretty cool being watching that whole thing unfold and uh, telling everyone, anyone that would listen to me, I go, Doug Henry's going to win Vegas on that bike. And they'll see that way. Yeah. And I'm like, that track is slippery yep. and dry and crappy. Doug Henry will win on that bike. Dude, he was <laughs> gone. He was gone that night. Just, yeah. Just well, I mean, see you later. He had, now that everybody knows, he had such an advantage. Yep. I mean, Doug's great. Don't get oh, me yeah. wrong. It's not yeah. like anybody handed it to him. But, I mean, Nobody realized back then, because I told the YMC guys, I go, you guys don't understand at that moment, because they were worried about, oh, how many do we make, you know, and YZ 250s, is it going to kill our 252-stroke sales? And, you know, and they sold, like, more 250s that year as well, on top of their six or 8,000 four-strokes. Uh-huh. You know, it, it was very, very cool. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know, you know, the original 250F was so cool. Yeah. Because I, I knew then, I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is pretty much going to yeah. end the 125 class. Yeah. Nice work, so, Doug. Way to go, Doug. Thanks a lot. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> Scott, uh, why can't I say, uh, Russo. Right. Russo at Cycle News. Yep. We roll in there to unveil that, and Russo's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> he, he wanted to take a swing at me. I said, yeah. where to go? Yeah. I still rib him about that. I'm like, dude. Yeah, it's a motorcycle. It's, it's, it's like I just, you know, killed they, his dog or something. They should have really looked at those CC rules. AMA should have. They really should yeah. have looked at those CC limits, you know. But <laughs> but they didn't, and that's it. The door was open, and and yeah, and Yamaha was smart with doing it. Um, yeah. Oh, they need to really put a 125 class back in Supercross. That would be entertaining. Yeah. If yeah. you put, you know, like this all stars and all that. And unfortunately, not enough companies could support it, so yeah. it would never happen. Yeah. But how cool would that be to hear a whole gate full of 125s? Like, good running ones with good riders yeah. on them. Yeah. I could just lay back with my eyes closed. I wouldn't even have to watch the race. <laughs> yeah, no, really, right? Um, hey, another question for you. Why were YZ125s so bad for so long, Doug? Why were they so bad for so long? What was going Back, on? Like when the Amig raced them and Dude, all that. Dude, from like 85 to like 94. They were terrible. <clears throat> well, I know, because that's when I first got on <laughs> that bike. I went to Pensacola, New Jersey, mid-year, okay. and got two 85 YZ125s. Yeah. And I thought, holy cow, because I was bouncing around then, you know, I... Had some old used RM. And yeah, then wasn't I got the story? Castillo isn't the story you wrote? Cats. Yeah, isn't the story you wrote on RM125 for like three years? You loved it so much. Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, because <laughs> you know, if you listen to Jody Weissel, he'll tell it like I had a million dollar Honda contract that I ripped up, spit in Dave Arnold's face, so I could ride my old used RM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the truth was, yeah. I think Honda gave Pro Circuit a you know a loaner bike to develop, and they were going to let me race it. And I said. You got to be kidding me! You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. this thing is like, you know, a, a, you know, it'd be a handicap if I got. Because I mean, if you ever rode a like an eighty-one RM one twenty-five, I was like cheating compared to anything else on the track at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were good, huh? <laughs> so yeah, that's what. So yeah, everybody so, yeah. remembers me for that. I get people jabbing me on Instagram all the time. <laughs> well, why don't you just go get an old RM one twenty five? Right, right, yeah. But the but but God, the Yamahas were they couldn't figure it out, man. They for so long, you know. And in ninety six, yeah. it came out. It was one of the best bikes out there. Ninety seven, all that. But for a decade, yeah. they struggled with their one thirty five. It, it was. I mean, and it was a fair amount better eighty six to eighty five. But, I mean, you're talking going from bottom of the barrel to just almost getting being able to put your knuckles over the top of the barrel. <laughs> I mean, you're still so deep you couldn't see yeah. sunlight. Um, favorite race bike you had? Favorite race bike? <sighs> I would have to say my – it was kind of the same bike, too. Like my 92, 93 YZ252 stroke. Mm -hmm. If I – somebody – I can't remember if it was Sweeney. Someone just posted a picture of my 93 race bike, and that was my comment. I'm like, dude, I'd give just about anything to have that bike. That was that was one of my favorite bikes. It's, it was just, I think it was one of the best bikes on the track. You know, obviously Honda had great stuff then. Cowie had great stuff. You know, we all had some pretty cool stuff, but I remember being so happy with that bike. You know, Damon was ripping on it. Um, you know, Emig was good on it. You know, there's just... Everyone on it could win just about any weekend, and it was you know, that was a joy to ride. 
Yeah, they were uh, tractable, huh? They had like bottom end, like hip. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. Well, you know, after I completely, you know, uh, got off Bob Oliver's Christmas list when I told him that his, you know, nine thousand horsepower engine was no good, <laughs> he, he he wanted to punch me because he's like, "No way!" And I'm like, "Come on!" It was funny because Amig partway through that year put his bike all back to stock because yeah. Bob made stuff so fast that it, you could hardly ride it. Yeah. And so, yeah, we finally found a good balance there around beginning to mid of 92. I mean, you saw, like, I had great results. You know, yeah. Damon was winning, and, you know, and, and all our bikes were so good. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you could you could break the clutch lever off and still ride a slippery Supercross. They were that good. Yeah. Um, you were factory rider, full factory rider in 89, right? 89, I, I had the appearance of a full factory guy, but what it was is I was just starting to get parts. Like, okay. 88, 88 was my first year riding. I think I might have missed one or two because they were a little too far away, but I rode yeah. nearly, you know, my old Ford van probably broke down, couldn't get to them. <laughs> but I rode nearly every race, and by the end of it, um, Yamaha started handing me good suspension, yeah. you know, factory parts and all that. So in 89, what I got was a full race bike, but they they gave me a $1 lease for a factory box van. So okay. I was a yeah. little outside, but they included me in press releases and all that. Okay. And I got an amount of money, but I had to pay Butler out of that and uh, do all my own stuff. Yep. But yep. Uh, it got paralleled. You know, they were making my flights and hotels. And yeah, so okay. I, I looked like I was. But so effectively, 89 to 93. So those five years was, you know, my run as a full factory guy, effectively. Effectively, yeah. But one thing I would always bug, I always bug Holly about this because, so Jimmy gets a full ride. He's number twelve. He gets a full ride in '86 with the team, full factory ride. Uh, he he lowers his number to number ten, but he gets let go. And I'm always bugging Jim. I'm like, why didn't you get on another brand? Like you got, you did better, and they dropped you. And so my question to you was going to be like, did you ever come close to getting on another brand, a better ride, something else that came along? I had a letter of intent that I had signed with Honda in 91. Okay. Yeah, I think it was, no, 90. Because uh, after my 89 season, <clears throat> I, uh, I I ended up with number seven. Seven, yeah, yeah. For, ni- for 1990. And I just, you know, Yamaha was like family to me. And I can remember the phone call. I was in Australia doing some off-season supercrosses, and just some things had kind of fall, fallen into place. And I went, you know what? And I had to call Dave Arnold. And I mean, you talk about diarrhea. You just like, oh, <laughs> gosh. And, uh, yeah, so I that was the closest I ever came. I had a letter of intent, but I didn't pursue it. and Couldn't. You know, it's – it's kind of, a, I guess, a testament to my loyalty to, you know, everybody that I've been involved with. You know, it's yep. paying dividends now. You know, I'm still getting pretty much anything I need to enjoy myself in the industry. And I think it's because I've been there and, yeah. you know, shown that, uh, you know, I care for the company. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's great. And Holly's the same way. He Holly just raced Glendale Amateur Racing on a Yamaha with O'Neill gear, Arai helmets, and Scott goggles. It was phenomenal. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was phenomenal. Uh, a couple more things before we let you go, uh, Doug. First up, uh, can you believe that uh, Bradshaw didn't win the title in 92? Can you believe that what happened? Uh, oh, boy. Dude, I can picture that like it was yesterday. Yeah. If you watch that race, Cooper and I got together in the heat race, uh-huh. and uh, I sprained my wrist really bad. It looked like a simple crash, but the way I came down, so I could barely ride. I went out in the semi and qualified for the main, but, you know, halfway through the main, I had so much tape on it, I couldn't even feel my hand. Yep. So I just, I pulled off. I'm like, I'm just in everyone's way out here. I'm just, so I'm sitting in the infield, you know, just yeah. sulking because I can't finish the race. And I'm watching this unfold, and I'm just like going, it's like, you know, uh, surreal. You know, everyone loves to word, use that word, but it was just like I'm. I'm going. There's no way. Yeah. This isn't going to end like this. You know, something will happen. Somebody will fall down. Yeah. Damon will pull his head out of his butt. Whatever. And it never did. No. And I'm just like, oh my god. And then all the conspiracy theories start flying. Yeah. Yeah. They were out there. I don't there. know how many of them you heard. Oh, but I yeah, heard a lot. Yeah. 
all that and the division of the family because they told him not to win because then his contract would be void. You know, yep. All, yep. all that stuff. So I'm just like, uh, I don't know. You yeah. know, I, I, I never, you know, the funny thing is I never asked him right. that question. Like, I just thought, you know, it's not worth knowing because it doesn't matter now. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I've definitely held that one back. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, um, I was talking to JMB over in Paris this past year. I see him every year when I go there for, for Bercy in Paris. He, mm-hmm. We were talking about something or another. He told me two guys were friendly to him, two riders, Guy Cooper and Doug Dubuck. You know, you want to know the funniest thing about that. Um, he, they, um, Oxbow put a team together to do the, nation, the, the Farley Castle race yep. probably like three years ago. Uh-huh. And it was great. You know, it was um, – I think it was Frederick Belay, uh, JMB, uh, oh, Demaria. Demaria, yeah. Typical Demaria. I left after the first moto because, <laughs> I don't know, you got a hangnail. Yeah, who something. knows, right? Who knows, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Jackie Vermont. So, I mean, talking about a pretty great group of guys. And he told me that that day. He goes, you know what? He goes, when I won my championship, because Coop was there that year. Yeah. He was on our uh, donations team at Farley. Yeah. He goes, when I won my championship, two guys, two Americans came over and congratulated me. Yep. And I'm like, really? <laughs> that was it? And he told me. He goes, yeah, it was you and Guy Cooper came over and congratulated me for winning that time. Because in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Remember that big yeah. crap? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Out there? But, um, it, it, you know, I mean, nobody liked that guy, and I could never figure it out. Yeah. But you know, I just, you have to assume because he was that good. Yeah. And you know, he was French. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. You know, I never had a problem with him. He was always nice to me. Yeah. You know, anything and everything. And we had, we almost missed the podium at Farley that year because we were in that Oxbow truck laughing and just having a good old time. Oh, cool. And, yeah. uh, you know, so. Yeah. Anyway, that that is a cool story that he told that to you too. Yeah, yeah, Guy Cooper, Doug Dubuff. Yeah, no, that's that's funny. Um, all right, man. Well, hey, thanks, uh, thanks for your time. I really appreciate. it. I think it's always fun to bench race with you for sure. Um, it's it's fun. Good luck with uh, Dubuff Racing and everything. Duck all right, TV. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. You know me. I can uh, talk moto forever because. Uh, I'm a little bit passionate about moto stuff. Just a tad. No, I love it. Uh, a great racer, a great R&D guy. You, you have a company now that's, you know, one of the top ones in the sport. Like, you've touched the sport in so many different ways, and you're a smart guy, so it's always fun to get your take on bikes or racing or development or anything, really. You can you can talk about anything. Been pretty pretty smart at that. So, um, uh, Well, thank you, and, yeah, anytime. Anytime. Uh, you don't have to ask me twice. Cool. Thanks, Doug. All right, thanks, Steve. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. 
The Daughter Rhyme Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 hey.